welcome to the Yes, Young Enough to Serve podcast. We invite you to join us for encouraging stories about people over 50 making kingdom impact. We hope you'll be inspired. Here's our host, Judy Wick. Hi, this is Judy, and today I have a really special friend that I want to introduce you to. I won't necessarily say the years, but I will say once upon a time, my brother Michael served as an intern in a church in Dublin, California, and the lead pastor at that time was Ward Tannenberg. And over the years, we have had opportunities to get to know Ward Probably the way that really meant a lot to to me and Wes was when we, uh, just before we launched Yes, we were at a conference of, actually a conference that Ward was the chair and the executive director of a ministry that worked primarily with ministering to adults over 50. And we went to that conference and under Ward's leadership, we were so incredibly blessed and touched that we knew that we wanted to dive into this ministry full throttle, and we've never looked back. So Ward's friendship, while we've known him for years, it's this this last 10 years that has just really made a just a deep impact on, on me and Wes. So today, I get to welcome Dr. Ward So welcome, Ward. Hi, Judy. Nice to be with you today. Oh, it's so good to have you. And I know you're up in the Bellevue, Washington area. So is it it raining up there? Well, I can't tell you right now because if I told you, you'd be jealous. The sun is actually shining now. Oh, <laughs> well, it's breaking through a little bit here. So uh, yeah, we might we might be on the same uh, playing field on that. But Ward, it's just great to have you talking with us today. And I just wonder if we could just dive right in. And if you could just share a background of how, how your ministry involved. You were lead pastor, and then you just got passionate in working with adults in life, second half. So t- take us through that. How, how did that happen? Well, I've been in active ministry for 58 years. I began as a young evangelist. I served as a denominational youth director, a college public relations director. I pastored three churches, one of them for 23 years. That's Dublin in California. I've been a lecturer, an adjunct professor, a writer, a novelist, a nonprofit organization executive director. I have done a number of things, and if I could figure out what it was that I was really uh, supposed to be doing, maybe I would just get a good job. (laughs) You're going to get it one day. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I got into uh, 50 plus, actually, by almost by accident. Dr. Ed Netland, who was the director of CASA Network at the time, contacted me. I was um, trying to recover from being a a lead pastor for 23 years in a growing church. And we had moved to Palm Desert. And he contacted me and said he'd read something I'd written. And would I I permit him to publish? Of course, I can't pay you anything. And I said, well, I understand that. Nobody ever does. (laughs) So uh, we got together and had lunch. And that formed a good friendship. 
he invited me to speak at the CASA Network uh, in 1997. And it opened up an opportunity for me to continue to do that every year in their conferences for years. I was permitted to be a speaker. When Ed passed away and transitions took place, I was invited to be the director of, of CASA. And, and so I've, I've been working with 50 plus people for a long time. Of course, as a pastor and then uh, more fully in a nonprofit organization. And for any of our listeners, Ward, that, that are not familiar with the acronym CASA for our setting, it was the Christian Association of Serving Adults. And so while that ministry isn't functioning under that title anymore, that was just an amazing time, I think, for so many of us that were on the just the cusp of, of learning and really feeling called and directed into this ministry. When Wes and I, when I, I first went, it sounds like the first time that uh, you were speaking there at CASA, and when I went to one of the conferences... I came back and the next year, Wes went with me. And that's when we, we knew that, wow, there was no way we could not get into this, that this, uh, the demographic of our aging population was only growing in America and the need was uh, so, so great. So looking back all your years that you served as a lead pastor, Ward, what were some things that you feel that you did right pertaining to ministry with adults over 50? I cared. And I think that's one of the best things a lead pastor can do is absolutely is help the older adults feel like you care about them. Mm. But my primary focus as a lead pastor was with young adults, with young marrieds, with families. And that I think was inspiring to the older adults as well. So we engaged them in a variety of ways to interacting. For example, we we trained older adults to do uh, premarital counseling. So I would meet with a couple initially at one time, and then I turned them over to the to one of the adult couples, and they met with them for six different weeks in their home. This was very meaningful to the couples. Then I, when I got them back at the end of that experience. I had not had to do, I had a lot of couples to, to marry, and I, I didn't have to do the premarital counseling, just the front end and the back end, like bookends. And then another one of our older adults became the, uh, the wedding coordinator. So that was just one of the areas in which we engaged older adults in, in young adult activity, and it really worked well. Oh, that's great. I think that was one of the best things that I did. That is... Perfect answer. Perfect. <laughs> so not that there was anything that you would change, but with all of your knowledge now in working with adults in their second half, is there something that you look back on and you think, okay, wow, if I was a lead pastor, this is some area that I, I would change? I would try to understand the older adult community more than I did at the time and appreciate them even more. And I would emphasize mentoring between the generations more than I did, even though I did quite a bit. But I think that that's a real key to having meaningful interaction between the generations. 
So I, you know, if I could go back and do it all over again, I really would spend more time trying to figure out what's it like to be uh, an older adult hmm. and how can I engage them meaningfully in what it is that they're supposed to be doing. Right. I know yesterday I was able to have lunch with one of our students from UCSC and the main theme in our little, not that you have to have themes for lunch, but that sounds formal. But anyway, over lunch, the, the main thing was that she really wants to see more adult women coming beside these students. So it was so cool sitting there, you know, over a sandwich, hearing this young girl tell me, okay, what can we do to get more people my age and even older on the campus or connected with these younger women? And it's like, wow, what a gift when the younger people show that they want, they want more of. Yeah. And younger people really are hungry for more. They are, yeah. Now, Ward, you have been meeting with a group of men in your home weekly for how long? We're in our 11th year. I've started out with five guys, and uh, now we have, I think, 18 if they all showed up the same day. <laughs> but usually I have 12 to 14 in my home every Wednesday morning. They come, the deal is that if they are not on uh, their deathbed uh, or really sick, they're not in a business trip or on vacation, then they are in the meeting on Wednesday morning. We open the doors at 7, and from 7.30 to 8.45, uh, we are in our, you know, officially in our meeting, but the first half is social and interaction. Right. Uh, these guys have become a band of brothers for me. Um, They've been very special in my life, and I think I have been a help to them as well. Oh, they without a doubt. They range in age from their 40s to uh, their 70s. Some are retired, and some are very active in, in professional business life. These are all sharp people. They're really good, they're really good guys. Wow. So obviously. This this group matters. I know it matters to them to have the honor of coming and being in your home. But this is really important to you. This is a lifeline for you, right? It is. These guys come from different churches. And uh, so they have different perspective. We have Arminian and we have Calvinists. And we, we laugh a lot about some of the differences that we have. We have, uh, I have a, a young, one of the younger Christians is a Korean brother. Who, who has no parents living, and so he's adopted me as his father. Oh. I tell him we look a lot alike, so <laughs> we'll never be able to tell the difference. Oh. I had the privilege of marrying his daughter uh, a couple of weeks ago, his daughter and her husband. Uh, so that was an honor, and uh, those relationships are what, what this group is all about. So when my wife was ill, she was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and then continued her journey for 18 more months. And during that time, these guys continued meeting every week in my home. Wow. It was a lesson uh, to them personally, and it was certainly uh, a great support to me. Wow. 
What, what if someone is listening and they hear about this um, band of brothers that you have and they just think, wow, I, I would love to have a group like that. How would you even tell someone to take the first steps on, on getting this kind of circle of friends? Well, this particular, there, we are part of an organization called C2. And uh, without going into what all that means, uh, there are about now about 40 different groups like that in the Northwest. And uh, they're both men and women, although they're not uh, co-ed. Uh-huh. We talk about stuff as men and women talk about women stuff. We, in our group, we focus primarily on marriage, family, children, and leadership in whatever, in the church or in the business world. Uh, how you get one started, you can start in your church, you can start in uh, with your golfing buddies, uh, or whoever it is that you are associated with. You only need three or four. I had, there were four fellows plus myself when I started. I didn't know if the group would last, but we, I said, let's try it for a few months and then we'll take summer off. But by the time we got to summer, they didn't want to, to quit. Mm. We, we don't meet on Christmas week or New Year's week, usually, uh-huh. but I have a hard time keeping them away. They wow. Love, they love being in their group. And I think that uh, the bottom line is it's not about me. It's about the relationships that they right. have one another. They go on to have uh, lunches together periodically. They play golf together. They've got a, it's a good thing. And when they, when there is a need, I was ill this past week, had a touch of the flu and, and uh, was really pretty well down. And I've got a big weekend coming up. So I, I was just kind of home by myself. My, my, my daughter called some of the guys in my group to pray. So they did. They prayed for me, and I feel better. Praise God for that. Yes. Well, Ward, that makes me so happy that you that you have that group, not just for support now, but just all along, and no doubt the support that that you've been to them. And I know that when we've heard you speak over the years, there have been a lot of interesting stories that have come through the way that you band of brothers are doing life together. And so I think that that is really, really inspirational. So, Ward, you and Dixie, if I recall correctly, you you didn't quite make it to your 60-year anniversary. Is that That's correct? That's true. So you, you were married, yeah, for fi- just a little over 59 years. I know that you and Dixie, Dixie was, to any of our listeners that never had a chance to meet her, she was an incredible incredible woman, beautiful on the inside and outside, but oh, such a giving, loving heart. Yeah, you guys were just, uh, I, I just, an amazing, an amazing couple together. So after you lost Dixie, I think almost two and a half years ago, Ward, what can you tell us that really ministered to you during, let's say, especially that first year. Again, I know you're going to be grieving all of your life, but that first year in particular, when the grieving was extra hard, what what could you tell us listeners that really impacted you during that time? During the first year, it is 
uh, it is significantly emotional. And even the second year, I think, was even more so for me. Mm. But uh, we had agreed while during her illness, uh, she was a person who was always uh, a teaching moment everywhere she went and everything that she touched, every life that she ministered to was like a teaching moment. Hmm. And the that was really her goal, and so we talked about her life and and sharing it in written form. And she finally agreed. She said, "If you're just going to write my story, there are a lot of other people more interesting than I. But if you are going to fill the book with teaching moments from my life and yours, I will permit you to write the story." So the first year after she was gone, I spent that year writing and reliving the story of her illness uh, with cancer. A lot of people have that. Mm -hmm. and, and how her life, through her diaries and through her some of the things that she shared, I developed the memoir, Sacred Journey. And mm -hmm. so that first year was really given to that. So once it was published and and I was done with that, then that, that made the second year perhaps more hard than, than mm. yeah. yeah. Wow. It was I, everybody everybody attacks post uh, the loss of someone significant in a different way. Right. But the grieving process, reading books, talking to people, being involved, you know, the guys in my group. Uh, actually, they looked at my golf clubs, which hadn't been out in a while, and said, you need a new set of golf clubs. So they bought mm -hmm. me that. And then they made sure that every week during the summer, I was out playing golf with them. Love it. And they did it because yeah. they knew I needed to get out and uh, and be with the guys. And right. Just, or, and just do stuff. Right. Oh, I love that. So... Ward, when you look back on your beloved wife's life, is there a story about Dixie that whenever you think about it, it just makes you smile? Well, I think there were simple things. That, there were so many things that I could say, but I remember uh, my grandson, he was 10 at the time, he's 17 now, sitting at the table, he was visiting with us for 10 days, and I, I took a picture of her lecturing him at the table trying to get him to eat. And the only thing that he would put in his taco shell was hamburger. And it was it was so funny just to watch the process go on that I took that picture and that stayed with me. She made everyone feel as though they were the only person. Hmm. Hmm. Great at that. And yeah. so thousands of people came to know her and love her. She didn't like public speaking, but she did a lot of it. Mm. And uh, she liked one-on-one -on -one because that's where, uh, that's where the rubber hit the road. That's where the gospel made all the difference as far as she was concerned. Mm. If, you can make, if you can make someone feel as though they're the only one, I mean, that they are it. Right. She had that. She, she just had she did, Ward. I, I just, Wes and I feel so blessed that we were able to have the visit in your home 
several months before Dixie passed. And even knowing that when we were went to visit you, that she was, she was sick, but even that day, just her serving us coffee and just being just such a, ah, just like, you know, we didn't, we didn't go to be served, but she served us coffee and just the way she entered into conversation. And she just felt that that was exactly what she wanted to do that day, spend time with us. And so even though there were probably a thousand other things on her list, when we drove away, we have just treasured that time in our hearts this whole time, because that really, that really ministered to me and Wes and meant so much to us. So Ward, in closing, because that's what ministers say, can you just share like one main message as far as life second half? What, what is one main even thought that you just really would want to convey to listeners today? I think viewing your life as theater, as an ongoing collection of dramatic works in which you're playing the leading role, would be one of the great things that you can do. Because the Swiss psychiatrist C.G. C. G. Young was the, was the first person that I know of, at least, to talk about the first half of life he said it's devoted to forming a healthy ego. The second half is going inward and letting go of it. Mm. I, but when, he's, when he gave us the second half of life, that was about 1900, 1910. And the average life expectancy was only 47 to 49. Mm-hmm. So now we talk about life second half, but I've really stopped talking about life in, in the second half. I think it's in three parts. So. Act one, act two, act three. Birth to the 30-somethings is a period of exploration. The 30 to 60-somethings is a season of employment and empowerment. And the 60-somethings on out is an era of listening. Listening to the hopes and dreams of, of the young and interpreting the future with lessons from your past and your present, like we've been doing today, and inspiring generations that are following after us to develop their own stories and seek to transform their own new world. That's what I think life is meant to be. Ward, that's absolutely beautiful. I love the analogy of looking at our life through the theater lenses. And on that note, you, my dear friend, will get an Academy Award. You have lived life so well and are living life so well. And I know, Ward, that you're too young to be considered a hero of the faith, but I want you to know that it's not just me and Wes. There are multitudes that would consider you a real life hero. And just thank you for being so faithful in serving God. And thank you for instructing and empowering others to go out and live their life to the fullest. You are just such a great example. And we absolutely love you. So thanks for stopping by today. And Ward, can I just have you say a closing prayer for our listeners? Yes. Father, no one wants to read a book or watch a movie or go to live theater and hope the best part of the story will happen in the first two acts. And the the third will be the least entertaining and inspiring of all. We want our third act. We want this season in our life to be full of anticipation of climax, thoughtfulness, inspiration. Mm -hmm. We want to transform those who are following after us. And that's our prayer this morning, Father. 
I thank you for Judy and for Wes and for Yes. What a ministry they have inspired and are carrying out together. Bless this work and bless each one of us. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks again, Ward, so much. Thanks so much for being with us. You'll find brief notes from today's show and more information about Yes online at yestoserve.org. We'd love for you to share today's podcast with a friend.